You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will start out our new series called Living the 4-H Life. Over this series, we'll be covering four keys to living healthy, happy, holy, humble, and faith-filled lives. We all need to be reminded of the warning from Paul to treat our bodies like the temple of God, even today. Our scripture text comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 23. Today's message is entitled, Healthy Living. We're starting a series this morning entitled, Living the 4-H Life. 4-H. How many of you were in 4-H as a kid? Okay. Can anybody tell me like what the 4-H's stand for? I mean, you were in a program and you don't even know what it stands for. Well, I'm going to tell you what my 4-H's stand for today, because I believe it's the vision that God has for every person that comes into this church. But I believe that it's not only the vision of God for every person that attends this local church. I believe that it's the vision of God for every person on the planet. I believe that with all my heart. And this morning, we're beginning a series called The 4-H Life, Living the 4-H Life. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about the first H. The first H is how to live a healthy Christian life. How to live a healthy Christian life. If you have your Bibles, 3 John, verse number 2. 3 John, verse number 2. I want you, when you have it, I want you to read this. We're going to read this in the New International Version this morning. 3 John, verse number 2. I want us all to read this out loud together. Let's read it. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that it all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. John is writing a letter, and he's expressing his heart for this fellow believer. God's desire for him, he believed, was for him to enjoy good health. Right now, one of our brothers has got cancer. He's in the hospital. And you know what I've discovered about every person that gets sick and is in the hospital? All of them want to get well. Do you know that? If you are sick in your body, you want to get well. I mean, isn't that true? Come on, amen. And John gives a greeting to this brother, and he says, Listen, I believe, I believe, and I desire to see you well and in good health. Now, this is a, this, keep this in your mind. This morning, we're going to be talking about how to live a healthy Christian life. I want you to see a healthy Christian church in action. It's actually the very first church. It's the church that after Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, they gathered together and they began to, they began to do some things that healthy churches do. And we're going to read about those activities right now. It's Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. Acts chapter 2, verse number 42. You don't have to read this. I'll read this out loud. And the Bible says, And they vo- devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone say awe. Awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. And they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Everyone say favor. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Here's the vision. 
Here's the vision that God has for every person on the planet. It's right there in your notes. We say this almost every single week. I want you to repeat it after me. I am healthy, happy, holy, humble, faith-filled, fun-loving, born again, blood-bought, child of God. Now, the reality is not everyone's healthy. Not everyone's happy. Some of you are looking at me, scowling. I can't believe i got to sit through a church service. My mom made me come. I've been there. That was me. That was me. I was 15 years of age, and I, I, I would sit as far back as I could sit in the auditorium. The church that I went in, they had these great big beams like this, but the beams came all the way down. And you could actually like sneak in the, when they opened up the overflows, you could get in the far, overco- the, far, the far overflow and I could sit behind the beam. That's how far. I mean, I'd get as far back because I wasn't happy and I wasn't living a holy life and I sure wasn't experiencing a faith-filled life. But the reality is today, no matter where you are at today, God's plan for you still hasn't changed. Healthy, happy, holy, humble, faith-filled, fun-loving, fun-loving, born-again Christian. That's God's desire not just for you, but it's for every person on the planet. Every 6.2 billion people on planet Earth, God has a plan for their life. And the next four weeks, we're going to talk about it. This morning, we're going to talk about the healthy Christian life. Living a healthy... How how can I live a healthy Christian life? The first thing that I want you to see this morning, the first thing, if you're going to live a healthy Christian life, is you must make God focused worship your number one priority you must make god focused worship everyone say worship Worship. now worship this morning is not just something that happens on a sunday morning hour and 20 minute block of time in your life where you sing a couple songs pass an offering plate and listen to a guy shout at you a little bit i mean that's that is a worship experience but that isn't the sum total of worship you see the worship that God, the worship that God created us for is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what the Bible says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. See, that's the kind of worship that God's looking for. God's looking for the kind of worship that comes from the heart. It's sincere. It's not about a song, although songs are an expression of our worship. Singing is an expression of our worship. Giving is an expression of our worship. True worship comes from a heart that's fully surrendered to God. Saying, God, I surrender to you. God, I want to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul. And when that is the expression of your heart, then this is what happens. Celebration. Psalms chapter 100, verse 2. David's psalms are full of expressions of worship. And David expressed it like this. He said, we worship the Lord with gladness. And we come before him with joyful songs. Songs that come from the heart. You see, even if I'm not feeling very good, when I get into a worship experience, at that moment, if I'm really worshiping, I'm not thinking about all the problems in my life. I'm not thinking about how hard I have it right now. When I'm really worshiping God, my focus is on the goodness of God. And honestly, for me, it doesn't take much for me to really say, God, you know what? It's amazing what you've done for me. God, it's amazing the love that you've demonstrated me. God, you saved me out of a wreck, 
a wretch, a mess, a messed up life. God, you had incredible mercy. No matter what's happening, when I really stop and think about it, I always have to end in praise. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you that I got a couple of people that really seem to like me. They like me. They really seem to like me. Thank God for a church of people that love to worship. I mean, when I really start to think about it, I was so impacted last week by Dave Martin's message when he he talked about the four pennies. The four pennies. You know, something costs $7.04 and you got $8 and you really don't want 96 cents and change. That's totally how I feel. And uh, the girl says, hey, I'll take care of it and gives you four pennies. And he was talking about that. And it just something just jumped out at me. It's when you become thankful for the small, the really small blessings in your life. When you become really thankful for the really small blessings, that's when you really begin to enter into worship. Because then, then you really are grateful. You see, you're not just grateful for the great big blessings. You're grateful for the small things. And it's a grateful heart that becomes a joyous heart. And a joyous heart is a heart that desires to worship and celebration to God. And that's what we do on Sunday morning. We gather together and we're celebration. This is a celebration service. This is not a funeral. This is a time to celebrate the risen Savior. The early church, when they met together, the Bible, well, what we know from history, when they met together, they would say something like this, He is risen! And the people would respond. If you don't know that, we're going to teach you that today. They would say, He is risen! And they would say, He is risen indeed. You see, that was a response. That was a way that they could identify one another. They wouldn't even have to say that they're Christians. They would identify themselves through their public expression of their faith. He is risen. He is your God. You see, there's public worship, and that's powerful, and we worship God with our whole being. I love Psalms 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So the expression of worship, singing and clapping and kneeling and dancing, all these are acts and expressions of worship. But guys, I want you to know these public expressions are just the beginning. They're just the beginning because sometimes what happens on Sunday doesn't necessarily roll over and translate to what happens on Monday. And on Monday is where really we know if you're a worshiper or not. On Monday, God knows really if you're a true worshiper. You see, because it's on Monday when worship then becomes an act of your life. It's the act of the surrender life. Everything you do, you begin to see that your work is an act of worship. When you begin to think about your work as an act of worship, it'll change your work reality. I'm telling you, it'll change it. It'll change it frustration and anger at your boss and not enough money, all that. When you go to work and you begin to see that this job is more than just me putting some food on my table, but this job is a means and a way for me to be a worshiper of God, things begin to change. And it's hard because let me tell you, you get to work and you got to fight and argue and there's things going on and maybe your job is easy, but a lot of jobs aren't easy. A lot of jobs have problems because life is full of problems. And for you to say, God, today I'm going to work and I'm going to do my very best for you. God, I'm going to do my very best for you. You see, you're not comparing yourself to somebody else who maybe can do the job better. You're saying, God, I'm doing the best that I can for you. That's when your life really becomes a worshiper. That's when you really become a worshiper, when it ends up outside of the walls of this church. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this verse. It's Exodus chapter 23. If you have a Bible, you've got to write this one down. This is the promise This is the promise of God to true worshipers. 
Listen to this verse. Exodus 23, 25. Worship the Lord your God. The word worship in the Hebrew and the Greek both has this understanding that it's an act of reverence, of submission, of bowing down, of laying down, stooping, kneeling. It's, a, it's a, literally a surrendering of your life. Listen to this Exodus 23, 25. Worship the Lord your God and His blessing. Everyone say blessing. How many of you want the blessing of God in your life? Oh, come on. And His blessing will be on your food and your water. And it says, I'll even take your sickness away from you. I mean, the context here is that when your life becomes truly an act of worship, the blessing of God will rest upon you. The favor of God. Last week, Dave said it. Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and in favor with God and man. That's Bible. That's not somebody up here just preaching. That's what the Bible, truth, the Word of God declares. When you begin to live your life as an act of worship, your worship, your worship releases the blessing of God in your life. The second thing that I want you to see this morning, we seek to live a God-purpose life. We've talked a lot about purpose here at City Church. We talked about the purposes of God and living the purpose of God. But I want you to hear Ephesians 2.10. I want to remind you of this verse. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. Everyone say good things. We can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. Wow. Long ago, long ago, God had a good thing planned for you. You like that word masterpiece? When I was a little kid, we used to play a game called masterpiece. Anybody ever played a game called masterpiece? Maybe you've got to be an old bald guy like me to know that game. But when I was a kid, we played a game masterpiece. And basically the game was, uh, was, kind of, it was a board game, but it was uh, these the master, the artists, the, the masterpieces of, you know, the last 500 years, and they were art pieces, and kind of like a Monopoly game, kind of similar to that Monopoly game, but it was called Masterpiece, and you would try to collect all these famous art pieces and move around the board, and the world puts value on paintings and pictures. They call them Masterpiece. This last week in the newspaper, there's a famous photographer who's passed away, people, I think about 10, 15 years ago, his name was Ansel Adams. And uh, they found a box of his negatives, some supposedly, and his son's disputed it or something. But, but scholars that study this thing say that they believe it's real. This, this, box, this box of 90 Ansel Adams negatives, they say, are worth $200 million. You know how much the guy paid for them? 45 bucks. 45 bucks. And you know, Ansel... You've, you've, you don't, might not know who Ansel Adams is, but you've seen his photography. He's one of the most famous photographers in the history of the world. It's amazing. The world considers it a masterpiece. I want you to know today that you are God's masterpiece. You are created in the image of God. His divine nature, when you become a believer, lives in you. You're the house. You're the vessel. You're the place that God himself lives. God says, you're my masterpiece. You're not junk. You're not worthless. You're not no good. You're not bad. You are created in the image of God to do a good work. And he considers you 
his masterpiece. Oh, you ought to just say, I'm his masterpiece. Oh, come on, I'm his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece today. God created you to be his masterpiece. You're his crown jewel. Isaiah says you're the apple of his eye. You're the pupil of his eye. And understanding that you are valuable to God and that he's given you a purpose. Understands that it's an understanding that you're not living your life for yourself, but you're living life for his will. You see, your purpose, your purpose in life is to do the will of God. And the will of God for every person in this room is different. We're all different. We're created with different giftings and abilities and talents. Paul the Apostle to the church at Philippi says, My dear friends, as you've always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Sometimes we think the decisions that we make, they're just like, you know, we're just making this and it's up, all up to me. I'm like, no way. God created a plan for you. And if you begin to really become a worshiper of God and seek after that plan, you're going to fulfill a purpose. I watched it this last week with my son, Keenan. And I've seen Austin do this too. This is my own family. But I watched this with Keenan this week. I was watching him last night play the piano. Pastor Glenn was leading worship in the prayer meeting. We're at this awesome time. And I just saw Keenan. I mean, he was worshiping God on the piano. I mean, he was just like, women he was really and then he just stopped now you guys stopped or something he just like shot his hands up in the air and he was just passionate i mean he was just like worshiping god and i don't know what his purpose in life is but i can tell you one thing that he's following a passion that god placed in his heart and as he's following that passion he's starting to live out a purpose and this morning we sent Keenan with another young another young man who's passionate for god we sent them over to another local church that didn't have a worship leader today. And we sent them over there this morning so that they could lead worship. And I was thinking, wow, purpose is being fulfilled. You see, what happens when you have a sense of purpose, you'll play the piano like Keenan for 10 hours. You'll, you'll play. When he was little, trust me, Keenan did not want to play the piano for even a half an hour. And his mother, under the threat of punishment and bribery and begging, you're not going to go out and not going to get an allowance or whatever. But see, once you start to follow your purpose, you become a worshiper of God and God leads you, that passion's released. And so getting up in the morning and doing your work has a different perspective. It's not so hard. You begin to, your life, you begin to wake up with a sense of excitement that God has something for me today. There's a mission that God's created you to. God's will to act according to His good purpose. When we seek to live out God's priorities, it not only defines what we don't do. See, that's the problem many times with religion. People get Christianity confused with religion, and they got a bunch of lists of things that they don't do. But it's not what I don't do today. It's what I choose to do, and I choose to worship, and I choose to live out a life of purpose and meaning and significance. And for you, it's going to be expressed differently because you have a different calling. You have a different workplace. You have a different place to serve. The third thing that I want you to see this morning, if you're going to live a healthy life, you've got to be involved in a local church. Everyone say local church. I don't make any apologies, guys. I'm a local church pastor. I believe in the power of the local church. I believe in the influence of the local church. 
I believe that healthy local churches become an influence in their community. I believe that healthy local churches was God's design and purpose before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back not for a weak, wimpy, defeated, scared, hiding in a corner, hoping that Jesus is going to come soon because we're not sure we're going to make it. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, a victorious church, an overcoming church. And an overcoming church is literally made up of people who are living healthy, happy, holy, humble, faith-filled, fun-loving, born-again Christian lives. You see, that's the reality. Is it always easy? No. Are there problems coming? Yes. Do we have tribulation in this world? Yes. But be of good cheer. See, the joy of the Lord is your strength today. When you have a problem, you can analyze and think and twirl your life around that problem, or you can begin to focus yourself on the sense of purpose and mission. Every entrepreneur in the world who's ever done anything incredible had a problem. Steve Jobs is very famous. I got a little thing that he made, and boy, he's making a lot of money, and I want to thank City Church for buying this for me. Very kind of you. This little iPad here. I was thinking about this guy. He's had lots of problems in his life. You know, at one point, he was the, fa- he was the, he was the founder and the owner of Apple, and because he went public, he, uh, he lost control of the board, and the board of directors actually fired him from his own company, the company that he founded. And he got so mad that he sold all the stock, and he was worth a lot of money. He sold all the stock that he, that he uh, owned in it, except for one share. He had kept one share so that he could still get the little things that they send out to shareholders. And 10 years later, they were begging him to come back and to take the company back. And today... Some people in this room have iPhones, and some people have iTouches, and some people have iMacs, and some people, and I mean, you go to, the, I went to the, the iStore the other day, the Apple Store at the mall. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. The place is packed. The rest of the mall is a ghost town, and there's the Apple Store. Man, what happened? Did he have adversity? Yes. When you begin to live out your purpose, you begin to have influence. In churches that begin to live out their purpose have influence. This last, a couple of weeks ago, there was an article in the newspaper, and uh, the article was about the city of Sanford, and, and it interviewed the mayor, Linda Kuhn, and it, she talked about some of the challenges in the city, and so after I read the article, I fired off an email to her. I fired off an email to the, to the mayor and just said, hey, man, we're praying for you. If there's anything that we can do, we want you to know that we care, and, and if there's any, anything we can pray with you about, or anything that we can do, we want to do it, and and really, I was kind of surprised, but within the day, I got an email back from her. She said, Pastor Smith, thank you for your concern and prayer. And she said, you know, sometimes it's not quite as bad as the news wants to make it out, but we have lots of challenges in Sanford. And, and then she asked me about one of the families in our church that, that uh, the husband had passed away and she had known. And, and I thought, wow, that's influence. I mean, for the mayor, I don't know how many emails she gets, but for her to email me back, well, the reason she emailed me back is because City Church has been an influence in this community. Because City Church has people that will go downtown whenever everybody else is drinking beer at the big, whatever that beer, Alive After Five thing. We'll have a booth set up, and we're handing out cards and inviting people to come to a Celebrate Recovery program. And City Church has had influence, and that we have young people that are getting saved literally by the hundreds in a, a local high school, in a local middle school, in the children's ministry. We have a youth, a children's pastor that's been on the campuses, and, and the principals know them by first name. And, 
And you can go to the local schools around here and they know the name of City Church and the ministries here. That's called influence. And the question that we ask ourselves as a local church, if this church shut down and no one cared and no one knew that we were gone, the question is, were we ever really a church? The fact is, no, we weren't a church. You see, if no one knows that you're not making an influence, if no one knows in your job that you're not a believer, you're not making influence, you're not being a healthy Christian, you're not being the person that God has created you to be. It happens in context of local churches. You see, local churches, for you to go to a local church and be part of a local body, it's absolutely your source of life. You need it. The Bible says that they were to honor the Lord with their Sabbath day. Well, for us as believers, Sunday is the first day of the week. The first day of your week. This is not the last day of your weekend. As a believer, this is the first day of the week. We give God the first day of our week. And we give, the, we give to God the first portion of our day. And we give to God the first part of our income. And when we begin to live that kind of life, guys, I'm telling you, your life will never be the same. I challenge the parents in this room, make the local church your family's number one priority. The reason that I'm here, when I went and drifted and went every place, the only reason that I'm here today, the only reason that God has been able to use me is because I had a mother. I had a mother who made sure that even though I didn't want to go, she drug me to church. I hated it. I didn't like it. I argued. I would hold on to the door while she was pulling me out the door. I was trying to watch one more TV program, one more Disney, one more football, yeah, you know, whatever. But my mother, my mother, my mother stood in the gap. I'm telling you, parents, moms, dad, make the local church a priority. You're, if you're paying the bills, <laughs> if you're paying the bills, they ain't dictating their will. As long as they're under your house, you are the parent. You're not their buddy. Everyone say, I'm the parent. All the parents, I'm their parent. You're paying the bill, man. You tell them which way it is. All the parents said amen. Amen. That was just for free there. That was good, too. Number four, develop a lifestyle of serving others. Got a lot to say about that. Number five, practice joyous, because you're going to get all the blanks filled in. The other services didn't get them. Got to share them with the other two services. Practice joyous generosity. Healthy people practice joyous generosity. We love to give. We believe in giving. We give God our best. We love to give. This area of money is so powerful because it is the influence of the world. Gold. You know the saying in the world, he who has the gold makes the rules. But the kingdom of God is the golden rule is to love others as you love yourself. See, when you get God's kingdom in your heart, you begin to understand the power and the influence of money and the purpose that it has for good. It changes your perspective about work. It changes your perspective about making money. See, Jesus said a man who had five talents and turned them into five more talents was a good steward. He had five talents, he saved, worked, multiplied. However he did it, he ended up with five more. But the guy who had one dollar and did nothing with that one dollar because it wasn't enough, Jesus said, get away from me, you wicked servant. There's something powerful about that. The reality is he who has much will get more in the kingdom of God. I'm challenging you today. Get a different perspective about your money. When you begin to live with an open hand and a generous heart, right now, our food bank really has a great need. 
We got a big need here at the food bank. We had, I mean, we have people every week. Our food bank is the lowest that it's been in years. And we need people to bring food. I understand the class that meets at uh, 10 o'clock, you guys are doing some stuff with the food, but we need some, we need some people who want to live generously, who want to share their bread. I love this proverb. The proverb says it like this. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with those in need. Shares his food. You got March. There are people in this community that don't. And we can do our part as a church. And everyone said amen. amen. Number six, be a part of a loving, authentic group of believers. You got to be part of a small group. You got to be with other believers. Acts 2.44, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's a guy in our church right now. He has cancer. He's in the hospital. His name is Dave Jordan. Dave Jordan is part of a small group called Band of Brothers. He's part of a small group. Kip's the leader of a small group. about 10, 12 guys in this small group. And uh, Dave, he wasn't feeling well, went to the doctor. And so... And he's, he's still at Seminole, this uh, Orlando Regional, downtown here in downtown Sanford. And what really was powerful to me wasn't, you know, yes, I went and visited him and I prayed for him. But what was really powerful is that his small group, it was a Friday night, same day that I went that morning, his small group, the whole small group went down there on Friday night with their families and they hung out with him in the hospital. I talked to someone in the small one in his small group this last week, and they've been visiting. He's almost had somebody to see him almost every day. You know, yeah, I did my part as a pastor, and I'm supposed to pray for people. But let me tell you, the power wasn't me going to pray with him. The power is that he was connected with a group of believers who prayed for him, who loved him, coming alongside of his family. His wife Susan was in the second service today, and I was asking how he's doing. And we need to continue to pray for him, and they need help. And we're going to try to do our part as a church. But let me tell you. You come to church and you don't get connected with a group of believers and some, you get sick and you think the pastor, yeah, we're going to do our part. But when you get connected with a group of believers, it keeps you accountable. Not only does it help you grow, but it helps them grow. You begin to share with one another, pray for one another, love one another. This is one of the most powerful, powerful truths. Get involved in the discipleship making process. Go and make disciples. Care for other people. Give back. You start sharing little bit that you know about Jesus with someone else, you're doing exactly what God's called you to do. The reason most Christians get stagnant in their faith and become critical about worship and leadership is because they stop giving back and helping make disciples of other people. That's what happens. Some of the most talented people I know are sitting on the pew and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they're the ones that evaluate every service. They're the ones, you know, I mean, it's just... But when you're giving and you're helping making other people disciples, you're living a healthy life, and the flow of God is flowing through you. And then the last point really starts to happen. This last point, which I believe this morning, is really the summation of living a healthy life. is having a powerful, effective prayer life. A powerful, effective prayer life. Prayer life has a public component to it. Last night, we were praying. It was powerful. Oh, man, if you'd miss, come on, the guys that go to Saturday Night Powerful, right? Just clap. If you go to Saturday Night Perkins, just clap. I just tell, just go once a month. You know, just go to a prayer meeting. 
I mean, in the Bible, that's the one thing they did like every day. If we did it once a month, that'd be pretty good, right, Clint? You know, they did it all the time. They were praying. And, and we wonder why, you know, when we pray and we're saying, God, how come the preacher don't have more anointing? And how come he don't have more miracles coming off of him? And I always want to say, how come you don't have more miracles coming off of you? How come you don't have more miracles coming out of your life? God shocked me last night. The person might even be in the room today. We prayed. Laura challenged at the very end. Powerful. Donald had a powerful world of faith. And guys, Duran prayed. And I don't know who else. Different people prayed. And we were praying over the city and praying for missionaries. And uh, at the end, I closed it up. And I, I just I started praying for souls. God, give us souls. God, give us souls. Give us souls. Praying for souls, people to be born again. I walked out, closed prayer meeting. We're all greeting one another. I'm standing there. And a woman that was, had been coming to church here for a while with her daughter uh, comes up to me, and, and she just, it literally just blurts out. She just says, I want to give my, God, my, I want to give my life back to God. I want to give my life to God. And it kind of caught me off guard. I thought, here I'm just praying for souls. You know, sometimes you pray and you think your prayers are going to be answered way off into the future. But how do you know that there is a God who can answer your prayer right now? Come on. There's a God who can answer your prayer right now. I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I was kind of shocked, you know, because when God answers it that quick, when God answers that quick, and they were expressing their thanksgiving. They were expressing how they felt and the emotion of giving their life to God last night out in the parking lot. I'm so, I can, I'm so happy to feel it. Wow. That's just one simple prayer that a preacher prayed. But I'm just one man like you. Effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It doesn't say who the righteous person is. It just says a righteous person. A righteous person is a person who desires to worship God and live a healthy, happy, holy life. Not a perfect life, not free from pain, not free from problems. But a life says, God, I'm going to seek after you. In the context of that passage, James says, are there any sick among you? Are there any suffering? Are there any hurting? Are there? He said, then I want you to do this. I want you to call for the elders of the church, leaders of the church, and I want you to take oil. I want you to anoint them. And then he says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And then he says, this guy that prayed Elijah, his prayers were so effectual and so powerful that when he prayed for it not to rain on the earth, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And it didn't rain again. So there must have been a bit on the earth for three and a half years, no rain. We're talking a problem. Florida had a problem back then. <laughs> there was a lot of forest fires that nobody ever recorded back then. Right? Three and a half years, no rain on the earth because one man prayed. One man moved heaven and shook earth. One man prayed. One man believed. Can you believe today? You see, a healthy, happy, holy, humble, faithful, fun-loving church is a praying church, and it's a powerful church. This church was birthed in prayer. Jesus had private prayer. When you really study the Scripture, you'll find when Jesus prayed privately, he would pray for a long time. But when he prayed publicly, when he prayed publicly for people and for needs, because he had spent a lot of time privately with God. When he prayed publicly, it wasn't like a begging. It was, 
It was, bam, it was right to it. Right to it. Think about it. He broke a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread, fed 5,000 men, 15,000 people probably. Prays a prayer. Guy's blind, spits on the ground, makes mud, says a couple of words in Latin over him, ba bum bada bing and the guy's healed. It wasn't long and complicated. It was like, oh, God, I don't know God, please. You know, it was just... Because he had been praying. He had been with God. He had been spent time with God. He had a powerful prayer life. When you begin to give God the first part of your day, every day, your prayer life begins to change because you're in the Word. Your faith starts to get built. It's not about religion anymore. It's that you need it. Last night we were praying, and I felt the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. You need to pray for every person that wants prayer in all three services today. Every person, whatever your need is. Maybe you want to get closer to God. Maybe you want to know God. Maybe you got a sickness in your body. Maybe you got a problem financially. And uh, we have some oil up here. We're going to do exactly like the Bible says. This is how we're going to close our service. I want you to close your eyes right now. You have a need in your life, and you really, you want to get closer to God, or you, you got a sickness in your body, you got something that you have needed from God today, you'd like for someone to pray for you. If that's you in the room, I want you to raise your hand right now. Anyone in the room? Thanks for listening to this message, Healthy Living with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.